time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, July 2nd, 2020. Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, Big thank you to all the guests we've had so far this week. Uh, A special thank you, as we mentioned yesterday, to Will Tarico for being our first uh, voice message guest. Uh, Will sent in about a 10, 15 second question um, through the Anchor app. And uh, I then answered it, and it took me way longer to answer it than I probably needed to. But anyway, it was a lot of fun, Uh, a fun feature we have here on the podcast. Again, if you listen to the Anchor app in in other avenues, that's totally fine. But if you like to get involved, you like maybe you don't want to do an interview or you've done an interview already and you'd like to send in a, a quick little message, we can play that message on the air and then I will then answer the question uh you know, so uh, any thoughts, any content, content, we'll say, any uh, topics, feel free to do so. If you go to the Anchor app or the uh, desktop or just the, the browser on your phone, uh, if you go to our podcast, Get Home Safe, it will then, there'll be a, uh, there'll be something at the top of it that says message. You click on that, you can leave your voice message, it'll go right to us. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested and like to do that, Um, go ahead and do so. And if you're not quite sure what I mean, then go into uh, yesterday's episode on July 1st with Bill Barnes. And in the opening segment, we uh, play Will's audio and then answer the question. So I keep repeating myself, guys, but not everyone listens to these shows in order. So I do want to make sure that people are aware of some of the ways to reach out and to to get involved. So that's kind of something I wanted to touch on before I got into uh, anything else this morning. Uh, today, we're going to be joined by Kevin's Carpio. He's an athletic trainer. He's worked at the college level, a little bit of the professional level. He now is the head trainer at Adelanto High School. Uh, we'll get into it all uh, after a few thoughts of mine this morning, but really looking forward to hearing you guys hearing this interview. He talks a lot about the mindset of the trainers and kind of the things they see, kind of the things they prepare on game day or even just during the week. I was fascinated by it because as a sports official, I've interacted with trainers quite a bit, not just with my injuries, but sometimes, you know, you're all out there doing a job and, and you can kind of relate to one another. And it was really interesting to hear the, the the similarities, really, that trainers and officials have. You know, we all want quick games with no issues, right? <laughs> that's, that's kind of the mindset, but I don't want to ruin anything. Uh, make sure to listen to that today. It was a fun interview. And Kevin's was actually... Uh, a kid I used to coach uh, one year, but I had just got out of high school. I was a freshman in college and he was an eighth grader. I had the opportunity to coach his eighth grade class. That was a lot of fun coaching the older kids uh, and especially diving in right after my playing days were over. But uh, just an opportunity. That's kind of where our, our paths crossed uh, and uh, you know, we, our paths crossed many more times uh, out in the sports world as I was officiating and he was a trainer for various teams. So a lot of fun talking with him. Be sure to tune into that here in a couple of minutes. Um, you know, guys, one thing I've been doing, as I've told you, is that, you know, ESPN, the ESPN app has this full list of films. Um, they're the 30 for 30s, a bunch of documentaries that 
I've seen a lot of, but a lot I haven't. They've been going on since I think 2010. Each season, there was usually like 30 films with 30 different directors, ranging from all kinds of sports topics. I mean, there's basketball, there's soccer, football, um, international sports. There's all kinds of intriguing sports stories and backstories to a lot of the things that have happened in the sports world over the years. So it's been fascinating to me. And and I started kind of jumping around and watching a few different ones. And then I decided a few days ago, I was like, you know what, why don't I watch these in order? Let me go to season one. uh, And even if they're not in chronological order, let's watch all of season one then go and, and, and so forth. So I kind of started to do that. And, you know, it's, it's definitely broadened my, my sports world as well. I don't, I don't like uh, documentaries on like soccer, but when you throw in the fact that it was uh, like Pablo Escobar soccer team, you know, uh, and all, <laughs> all the elements of that, okay, that's a little more intriguing. Or, uh, you know, something with, uh, you know, I think it was uh, Vladi Divac and Pet- Petro, oh man, excuse me for the name loss, but uh, they were close friends and then their countries went to war. I mean, that's an intriguing story. They're, the most recent ones were the... Um, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa documentary, kind of about the home run race in the 90s. Anyway, there's all kinds of great documentaries. The Lance Armstrong one, uh, they're not all quote-unquote 30 for 30s, but um, they're they're really fun to look at. And I, I just love history in general, but I like sports as well, and I like sports history and, and, and all that stuff. Well, there were two that I recently came across that I just – I had to speak out on. Uh, who do I start with first? Let's start with uh, – the LeBron James documentary. It was a documentary on the decision he made in 2010. Uh, the spectacle that was uh, in announcing that he was uh, abandoning, yes, abandoning his home city, his home uh, area, which he preached and uh, talked so much of that he was the king of. Uh, he abandoned them in 2010 and went to Miami. Now I know, okay, he's a free agent. He can go where he wants. He wants to play with his friends. All right, that's all fine and good, but you made a spectacle of it. And so the documentary was on that whole thing. It was an hour of my life I'll never get back. Uh, but it was funny because I was thinking at the time, I'm like, this is an hour documentary that talks about an hour of television back in 2010 about a guy making an announcement where he was playing. Nobody else did that. And it was total overkill back then, and it's overkill now. But I understand looking back at it, I guess. Uh, just to criticize and everything. I'm just like, man, LeBron James to me, I, it, it drives me absolutely crazy that he is a Laker. It just, it drives me nuts. And everyone's like, Oh, aren't you? No, I'm not happy. LeBron James has always been the biggest uh, attention spotlight loving uh, person of, of in all of athletics. He's incredible player. Is he in the best in the league? Yes, he is. He has been for eh, past few years or so. He's nowhere near the conversation of Michael Jordan. I don't want to hear this greatest of all time talk. I just don't. Michael Jordan went about his business, and I know it's a different era, but LeBron always has to uh, make everything about him. Everything is about him. The decision in 2010, and then he comes back to Cleveland four years later as if to like, what, because people were mad at you? Oh, it felt it felt right. I have to go back. That shows me that you were wrong in leaving in the first place, and you knew it. And then what do you do? You do it again. You go to the Lakers. Like, 
This guy's always looking for people to love him and because he can't handle being the villain. And and he thinks by speaking out on issues more uh, that, you know, he's going to be loved more. I don't doubt there's some sincerity into some of the comments he makes, but it drives me absolutely crazy. Every basketball game I've ever seen him play, he is over the, overly theatrical. He, he, I mean, there, there's cause for celebration on great plays and stuff, but he's just over the top. The whole throw the uh, chalk or whatever it is uh, in the air thing. It's just, oh, this is how I get ready for games. It's just, it's just crazy. I, I don't know. That was a documentary at the end. I was like, why did I watch that? I was so mad at myself uh, because I can't stand the guy. I just can't. Well, Matt, he does great things for schools and he's a great family man. And those are things you should do. You don't get extra points for doing things you're supposed to do. I just can't stand the networks, ESPN in particular, all these basketball, they, they uh, these radio shows that some I used to really love listening to. Uh, they just worship this guy on a daily basis. Wake up, have some coffee. Let's worship LeBron James today. No. We don't need to do that. So, again, I watched it. I was mad at myself. Yes, I was one of those guys that watched something I, I knew I would be mad about, but it was late at night. I said, eh, let's see what this is about. So ESPN documentary on not on LeBron James, but on him making a decision 10 years ago, a, uh, a courageous decision, I'm sure. Uh, you know, this, the spotlight and uh, the kids and just uh, – the shirt he was wearing, everything. It was so courageous. And, and I'm just tired of the the uh, constant praise of, of LeBron James and trying to uh, put him on, uh, you know, among the greatest to ever play the game. It's just, uh, I'm sure there's people out there laughing at me, but I just, he's very fake. <laughs> he seems like the fake, Mike, Michael Rapoport, who's, uh, who is a director. He's a former actor. He's a very vocal guy on sports. Uh, not a guy I agree with on many things, but that I do agree with. He calls LeBron James out all the time, calling him the fakest dude in the league. And, and there's a lot of truth to that, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. So, yes, I watched the documentary and, and I was mad about it. Well, here was another documentary I saw that I was mad about afterwards. Uh, it's called Silly Little Game, and it's the foundation of – uh, basically the story of how fantasy sports got created. And it was these dorky dudes uh, in a restaurant uh, that came up with the idea of fantasy baseball. And I had no idea that it was a bunch of basically media members, media members, you know, writers. And I just shook my head and went, oh, this is shocking. This is Oh, that explains so much now. It's a bunch of bunch of nerds talking about how much they know baseball more than another guy. D- drafting fake people, bidding, and and all these things. Uh, it it's it shocks a lot of people when I talk about fantasy sports. They are shocked that I not only don't participate in fantasy sports, but I despise fantasy sports. I absolutely hate it. And, and I'll give you a few reasons why. But this documentary, it really got my blood boiling because, yes, these were guys that just kind of started to do something for fun. And, uh, you know, they were very meticulous on paper and there was no computers and everything. But they were very 
uh, you know, it grew and it's called rotisserie baseball because the restaurant they were at was something rotisserie. Uh, and then it eventually, you know, became the huge business that it is today in fantasy sports, mostly ba- uh, football, basketball and baseball. But I remember my friends trying to get me to get into this stuff. And I was like, fantasy sports? Okay, I'll give it a try. And you had to draft teams. And, uh, you know, I, I got into this one league where the first, it was like a, a random draft. And so you just got assigned teams, or excuse me, players. And I remember before the draft got completed, I got this notifications from these guys that said, hey, we'll offer you, uh, they wanted to trade three players to me pretty good players and I was like what is this and then I looked and it was because I had Barry Bonds on my team I got assigned Barry Bonds and Barry it was in the middle of Barry Bonds's home run uh you know uh, the 73 home run season and this and that when he was just hitting everything over the wall well it was in that moment I was like okay this is I could have traded I could have participated more but I was like okay this is not for me and the argument with fantasy sports is like, oh, no, you, you care about uh, more than just your team. You care about other players. What do I want to care about players from another team for? I don't want to care about what Barry Bonds is doing on a nightly basis. I want that guy to fail. I was a huge Dodger fan. You can't, you can't fantasy sports player. There's no loyalty. If you're loyal to your team – you don't want other guys to do well. Now, that in, that 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 in mind, I'm a very impartial fan, I believe, where I can ex- I can appreciate the greatness of a lot of athletes on other teams, uh, the, the things they do. Um, I hate the 49ers, but Jerry Rice is the best um, wide receiver of all time. Joe Montana at one point was the best quarterback of all time. Um, great tradition there. I still despise the 49ers, and I'm not rooting for Jerry Rice. On a Sunday. I'm just not doing it. Well, no, but then you'll watch the Dolphins game because you want to see uh, if, if the running back is doing well. Why do I need to look at, like, stats? I am an old-school football fan. I get fired up uh, with a fourth-and-one stop by the defense just as much as I do a 90-yard touchdown run. We put all these emphasis on stats and look at how great this guy did. It, it, it started this whole individual path. How'd your team do this Sunday? Oh, well, uh, you know, they got killed. But I, but, I, but, I was, but I was awesome in fantasy. Who cares? Who cares? You, you, because you pick players and they randomly do well? It's not like you're doing anything. Video game, you're like, you have the controls at least. I don't know. It's just I've never liked fantasy sports. Reality reality sports is, is way better for me. Uh, you know, I'm just, I am not going to cheer for some quarterback on the Raiders or the Cowboys or, or you know, or the defense of, uh, of a division rival. Well, how they do today? It just it contradicts everything. Well, I well, Matt, it brings people in. It brings people, uh, you know, to uh, they they want they watch more because of this stuff. I know they do, and 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 I see so many fans watching now who don't know anything about the game in a lot of different sports. Well, how many points did so and so have? That's all they care about, and it's ridiculous. It's like it, it uh, oh, it drives me nuts, guys. As a big sports fan. 
I can't stand fantasy sports. And then it drives me absolutely nuts when they put fantasy sports experts like on SportsCenter. It's like, what do you do? What, what have we come to? I don't care about how many receptions a guy has. I care about if my team won on the weekend and if other teams uh, I needed to lose lost. We just got this emphasis on individual stats now. I think it started from fantasy sports. Yes, it was more people getting involved, but I can go on and on about fantasy sports. It's just not for me. I despise it. Um, I mean, we got stats and everything on the, uh, you know, constantly going now. I, I see guys watching games and they're like, oh, throw it, throw it to so-and-so. It's like, I'm like, it's third and one. They need to run the ball here. They're trying to run the clock out. Yeah, but but I need my guy to, for two more catches. I'm like, I cannot sit there and listen to fantasy sports people. That's why I'm mostly on the weekends, football season specifically, I like to sit and kind of watch it by myself or with a, a few people that I know are not going to get carried away. If you like fantasy sports, that's all for you. That's all cool. Uh, you know, I'm not putting my time and emphasis into it. It's just not for me. And I've said my reasons why. Some people think I'm crazy. They think I'm an old man. Uh, I'm probably all those things, but I just do not care about fantasy sports. I don't want to participate. I've tried. Uh, I I knew right from the beginning it was not for me. And uh, yeah, that documentary, I was just rolling my eyes the whole time at these guys being all giddy over this stuff. And I'm like, this is fantasy. It's pretend. This doesn't exist. This isn't real. Like you don't have control over how many touchdowns Patrick Mahomes throws on a Sunday. And just because he's on your team and he does it, you think you did something great. Just drives me nuts. Congrats to uh, all you fantasy sports winners, though, and then those, uh, you know, those trophies that that you get uh, at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, it's not for me. Some of the, uh, what are they called, conventions and stuff they had. And I'm just looking at some of the people. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yep, well, that's not that's not me. Anyway, I'll move on. Had to say my piece on those two topics. Went a little long. My apologies. Well, not really. Uh, but we'll, we'll get right into this interview now with Kevin Scarpio. I asked him uh, actually last night. I was like, hey, what, are you into fantasy sports? And he's like, yeah, I have a few leagues. I was like, okay, well, my topic is I'm going to blast fantasy sports. So no offense to you. He's like, ah, no problem. Go, go right at it. So anyway, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get to the interview with Kevin Scarpio. Okay, joining us today is Kevin's Carpio. He is the head athletic trainer at Adelanto High School. He is a Rio Hondo Prep graduate from the class of 2008. Uh, he and I have a unique experience in the fact that I graduated high school and jumped into coaching right away. And I coached his eighth grade class as I was a freshman in college. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about his ride to becoming a, an athletic trainer. We'll touch on a lot of different things. Uh, our paths have crossed a few different times uh, just off of what he's been doing, what I've been doing as an official. So uh, let's not waste any more time. Kevin's welcome to the program, my friend. Hey Matt, how we're doing? We are doing fantastic as best as could be uh, these days. You know, uh, you know, I would just want to first off, thank you because there's been a couple times over the years where, uh, you know, I've had injuries or uh, other issues and I've reached out to you and been like, Hey man, I know we haven't talked in a while, but uh, what should I do with this sprained ankle or whatever? And, and uh, you told me the standard uh, answer and it was stuff I probably should have known already, but I needed to hear it from, from someone who was an official certified athletic trainer. Yeah, I do apologize. I, I 
looking back at some of the messages, there was one I never replied from back from like 2015. I'm like, oh shoot, I never got back to him. Uh, but yeah, no, like I said, I remember the first Friday night we were walking out. I'm like, Persima? And you looked at me, Carbia. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a nice surprise kind of seeing you out there and doing that thing, uh, doing that thing, um, making calls the, the right way for us and during my time during, at that school. But no, it was, it was a nice surprise seeing you out there. Oh, it's funny, Kevin's the the way in which uh, paths cross. Like I, I coached you right out of high school. I was I was kind of uh, bummed that my playing days were over, but super happy that I could now coach uh, older kids in the eighth grade, uh, you know, school school team and everything. And you know, we've just one year, and it was a fun year for me, an adjustment period for sure. Uh, but then later in life, you know, you go into athletic training, working with multiple teams and uh, here in Southern California, I was obviously officiating football and basketball and umpiring baseball. So I saw you from time to time and it was just like, man, it's a small world that we both went uh, separate paths, but our paths would then cross back a few different times. And, and that's, th- those are the types of stories I really like, uh, especially in the sports world, because there's so many factors and people uh, that make sports go around, whether it be players, coaches, or or in our case, officials or trainers. So it's just really fun to be a part of the sports community one way or another. Totally agree. Like you said, I've had previous uh, players that have gone off to be coaches and be something of themselves. Um, even just the high school realm, you see people that you used to play with or be in classes with. It's, it's a neat thing as we get older, uh, just to see where people end up. Um, and the surprises you get, you're like, how did you get there? Um, but... <laughs> It happens in a funny way, and I think it's the true reason for sport that brings out the character, the the drive, and everything. I think is something to really put a credit to towards us, kind of growing up and who we've become. Oh, great stuff! Well, well, Kevin's. Uh, first of all, we got to touch on on one thing. When you were a kid growing up, and I heard your name, I thought your name forever was Kevin scarpio k-a-k-e-v-i-n and then your last name was scarpio s-c-a-r-p-i-o kevin scarpio that's what i thought your name was and then i don't know when it hit or someone told me it was like hey it's kevin's it's kevin with a z and then carpio c-a-r-p-i-o so sometimes when i say it even to this day it still comes out as kevin scarpio but it's all kind of one big word i guess right yeah i mean being having a unique name is um dealing itself but growing up i i remember if you remember cody mendoza same thing he's like who's kevin scarpio he had the same kind of reaction and then people kind of get the <laughs> kevin scarpio and then you know the jokes automatically come with kevin's you know with an s and like no it's a z he's like what or you know it's kevin's kevin kevin's kevin no kevin's with a z um so at the end of the day i'll go with whatever if they go with kevin i'll go with kevin especially you know if i'm at a starbucks line or something of that nature um but yeah the story <laughs> has gotten out there with the, the last name with the z and then you know people always question is this a mistake i'm like no that's not an obvious mistake <laughs> <laughs> that's my name yeah. uh the talk, we, we always love coming up with nicknames for the kids and everything and i remember todd todd carson uh, he just start, started calling you Z, and I was like, "That's perfect. That's <laughs> yes. a perfect name for him, Z, because he's got the Z at the end of Kevin." And now his real name's Kevin. Anyway, uh, I thought we'd touch on that. What, what was the? Have you ever asked your mom? Kind of, what's the story behind uh, behind the unique name? Yeah. So, kind of growing up, uh, I kind of asked her and whatnot. She she kind of told me, and for me, I didn't like it as much. Um, so I had a cousin named Yamalins who had the I and Z. My mom liked the name Kevin and kind of put the two together. 
um, not really realizing the grammatical error being a foreigner to this country. Um, so yeah, Kevin's is pretty, pretty much derived from a cousin who had um, the I and Z in her name. Um, okay. But like I said, that, that story is boring. And then, so over the years, I've kind of <laughs> developed my own persona of how that story goes. Uh, so, I mean, the ones I used to tell were just, you know, my mom was a little, uh, drugged up from the pain med. So she accidentally made a squiggle that gave me the Z. Um, you know, I just, you know, it was plural. The, the one that I've kind of sick to nowadays is, you know, I had a twin brother who died at birth. Um, so I changed my name when I was 14 to make it plural, to represent what was lost in his life and to remind me to live my life for him. That's usually the one with, I go with nowadays just to, because I usually get the Kevin's, oh, my name is, you know, Mark's, <laughs> you know, Matt's. <laughs> so I, I kind of get back at people that way. And then they just look at me and like, you're a terrible person. Because I can get it to the point where I'm like, you know, get a little glimmer in my eye. And, you know, it's a little <laughs> bit better in person. So it's a, it's a great, you know, icebreaker for me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You, I haven't talked to you in a long time. And most of the time it was, you know, when I just, we, we talked for five minutes, really, when I'd see you at games and stuff. Uh, but you know, it's it's funny hearing you. You, you still sound uh, at times like that, like that eighth grader I first met <laughs> when I was getting out of high school. Still a, a good sense of humor, a jokester, and just just good stuff. Uh, well, well, Kevin's, have you had an opportunity to listen much of the uh, the podcast here? I have. You know, the way Real Hondo is and Carrie is, it's like you lose touch with people. You're like, oh yeah, I have a friend who does this. Um, and I saw your podcast started to pop up. So, you know, for me, naturally, was like, you know, I'll support him. I'll start following. Um, and then I started listening a little bit. And for me, it's just a, a way to snoop into other people's lives that I haven't seen in a bit. Um, so it's good stuff for me. You know, I've really enjoyed it just because I re- some of the stories, the one I just heard, I think it was Nick Perciato. I remember like a lot of the stories you were talking to him about. I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. Like I'm part of it, but you know, as a, different vantage point. So for me, it's been a blast listening to them. Naturally, as I just started, you know, there's a lot, I started to go back. I'm like, I want to listen to that one. I want to listen to that one just because different perspective, different stories. And like I said, we're all uniquely connected um, mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, if it's not four years down the line, it's the the following four, but you know enough about individual people. Um, you know, the stories, the legacies that live throughout care youth league and Rio Hondo prep. Oh, absolutely. And and what's interesting is when I started this, I just started kind of rambling uh, by myself. And then I was like, well, why don't I bring on some guests? And I was like, well, who would I bring on? I was like, I know a lot of people from various backgrounds and everything. Uh, but honestly, it's been a lot of people who have been associated with Rio Hondo Prep or Care Youth League one way or another. Um, they're, they're, not everyone I've talked to is still there. They just had those experiences. And and it's cool to see. I mean, Bill Lee, he's a Marine. I mean, he's, he still works with Care Youth League. I mean, you, you in, in athletic training, uh, Maynard Bohorquez, a West Point graduate, all these different people I've talked to uh, over over the past few months Yes, uh, the connection was was Rio and Care, you know. But honestly, it was it was uh, talking to people who have gone on and and to talk about their lives specifically, their their career path, uh, things that I hope other people find as interesting as I do. And that's the biggest reason I brought on so many different people. And and there is some carryover, you know. Some of my friends are like, "Man, you got another Rio Hondo prep guy on? Oh, we want to hear about more Rio Hondo football, ha <laughs> ha." You know. But it's like. Well, sorry. These are the people I know. These are the background I know. Uh, I know some minor league baseball umpires as well. It, it's just, uh, you know, whatever it is, however many 
uh, real Hondo stories you hear. Yeah. It, that's just the people I know. And, and a lot of it is even people that I wasn't the same age as, but we mm-hmm. still went through a similar program. So that's kind of where all my connections are from. And I hopefully aren't boring too many people with some of these stories. <laughs> <I did. laughs> to quote AJ, I believe it was a, to, to all your thousands of listeners out here. So <laughs> 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 exactly man well you know we're pretty consistent on our plays uh, i could tell that at least someone's listening you know if if uh, they don't like one episode or like one more than the other you know that that's all that really matters to me is that someone's tuning in and uh hopefully every now and then we we run into one you know they the bat the ball hits our bat uh if you will and uh you know we we line one out there so anyway uh well kevin's let, let's touch on a little bit about your career uh first uh you went to mount sac you uh graduated from there in 2011 you then went to cal state fullerton for your bachelor's graduated in 2014 you got your master's at concordia university in 2017 and now you're the head athletic trainer at adelanto high school uh first off from an education standpoint when you went to college, did you know right away that you wanted to be an athletic trainer? Or what was kind of the evolution of that? Did that just just happen over time? Or was that kind of a decision you made the day uh, you graduated high school? Actually, I'm, I'm very blessed in that aspect that I knew what I wanted to do since my between my freshman and sophomore year. I was uh, on that Europe trip. Um, that many of us grads have been on. And, you know, it was, I was sitting in a bunk in London and it just like hit me. I'm like, Hey, I want to do that. Um, and that came from working with Randy Johnson, um, my seventh and eighth grade year. Uh, you know, we have the opportunity as junior high kids to be on the varsity football team as a ball boy, T boy, uh, water boy, whatever boy that would be. Um, and we ran out of spots. So Mr. Johnson asked me, he's like, Hey, you want to help me out? I was like, yeah, let's do this. Like, sure, it gets me out there. So that was kind of my introduction to it. Um, and then kind of, like I said, that June freshman, sophomore year, like, hey, I want to do that. Um, so told a couple people, talked to Mr. Johnson. Hey, you know, I think I want to do athletic trainer. He looked at me and I don't know if he remembers this, but he ended up walking away from me. Uh, I'm like, OK, that's <laughs> kind of weird. Um, so then I came back to him, you know, a couple months later, I'm like, Hey, you know, I want to do athletic training. What was the path you did? He's like, it's like, no, you don't. And he walked away again. I'm like, Oh, that's strange. (laughs) And then I think it was after a year of kind of me, uh, heckling him. I'm like, Hey, you know, I really want to do this. You know, there's something I'm, you know, I think I have a path. Or he's like, and he looked at me, he's like, Kevin's, I think you'll do great. But do you want a big house? Do you want a lot, you know, fancy cars? You want all this stuff? I'm like, well, no, I'm, I was in high school. I didn't know what real, the, the real dollar figure meant. Uh, he goes like, athletic trainers don't make much money. You're under, you know, you're overworked, but you know, if it's something you're passionate about, let's go after it. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. Um, so that, I don't know if he remembers that story. I think I told him once, uh, I ran into him <laughs> a conference was like, no, you don't. <laughs> He's like, um, but yeah, that's kind of where my start of it was. And then, so soon as I, I remember graduating high school, it was a Friday the 13th, 2008, um, that Monday. So whatever that the 14th, the 15th, I started college classes. Um, I was weird like that. You know, I started summer school, um, and reached out to the athletic trainer at Mount Sac. So Andy Pollan, who'd been there at once he retired, he'd been there like 32 years. And I kind of got that recommendation from a former, Rio Hondo prep grad also Jason Dinius 
um, who had done some hours there and kind of asked him, Hey, where should I go? Um, he suggested going there and, you know, from there it kind of took off, um, did vol- tons of volunteer hours, uh, at Mount Sac started, uh, you know, working with the football program, then went over to baseball track and field. Um, then my sophomore year in college, that's really where it kind of took off for me just, you know, skills wise and, you know, the path that I would take, uh, working with, uh, soccer there so I, I was there from you know summer camp all the way through the end with soccer back-to-back years and you know that was a nice little run my first 2009 we had a national championship run that we ended up winning at college of the canyons um what's that called no we went up to up north san mateo i think um mm-hmm. won a national championship there the, the following year we had a state championship um win at college of the canyons um just kind of going through that that was a very neat experience going through working the Mount Sac relays where you're running, um, you know, large events where you have tens of thousands of, you know, tens, 10,000 plus athletes on any given day, working the medical side, um, running through Olympians that are coming through, especially on the Olympic, Olympic years or qualifying years. So just the, the athletic world in this perspective has been something that's been neat um, for me just to run into some high profile athletes throughout mm-hmm. the years um but yeah and then kind of going over to cal state fullerton after that um you know work some fall ball with baseball but basketball was kind of my niche um there just my rotations worked out um and then in the middle of one of those those summers once again it seems like i don't like taking summers off um (laughs) i did an internship with a mls team chivas usa who's no longer part of the mls uh but yeah kind of going to that and just kind of soccer um kind of fell into place with that one for not being a soccer guy. Not being a soccer guy. Well, well, that's something mm-hmm. we can both agree on there, Kevin's. Uh, yeah, uh, hey, but, but whatever pays the bills, man, you got to take the opportunities that are there. So if, uh, you know, if soccer was the need, uh, I'm sure like you, like you did, you know, Hey, that's what you got to pursue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then kind of th- those were the educational years, the, didactic side and whatnot uh and then kind of once graduating from college took me a little bit to get my things in order to, to pass my test but once i got my test i started uh this was the first time i think i ran into ran into you uh post rhla post high school uh covina district field i was working at covina high school um same thing doing athletic training and uh doing teaching sports med there i lasted a year there then went over to Anaheim Union High School District and worked at Savannah High School for two years, kind of got recruited over to a private school, um, which I thought that'd be my end all. Uh, but things kind of changed uh, in the middle of all this stuff, got married, had a, had my son and, you know, had to reevaluate some things <laughs> and then ended up taking a job up in the high desert at Atalanto High School, like you mentioned, and just recently moved up here, um, residing now in Apple Valley. Well, well, let me ask you that because I, I know no matter what you're doing in athletics, um, especially at the collegiate level, and, and you've even had some professional uh, experience, you know, being in this business, and it is a business, whatever aspect you're in it, it requires a lot of time. There's a lot of weekend stuff. There's a lot of uh, nights. So it's got to be difficult to to start a family, to, to uh, you know, 
find the right woman. And, and so I'm sure all of that was a challenge. I mean, you're trying to be as available as possible to all these different schools and uh, athletic programs. Right. But, but what was that challenge? Like, was she, was she uh, very supportive from the get go? Did she, you know, was she kind of, uh, you know, when you guys talked about having having a kid, I mean, what was that whole process like? You, you mentioned that you had to kind of take a step back a little bit. Um, just making that change in your life. I mean, what was it like just comparing it to all the athletic events that you had been going to and then having to cut back a little bit? Yeah, I don't know if this was our smartest decision or our dumbest decision. So she actually is also an athletic trainer. So she's currently working for the past six years over at Orange Coast College down in Costa Mesa. So we had kind of similar schedules, um, you know, different levels, but still technically under that K through 12 system. Uh, so, I mean, early on and early on our marriage, it worked out. I mean, given that we were both state employees, um, you know, we, we did have our limitations of, you know, we are protected, things of the nature um, in the work site, but, you know, coordinating her travel was about, you know, we were living in Bray at the time, maybe an hour 15 to get to work. For me, it was about 30 minutes. So it kind of worked out. We'd get, you know, leave um, relatively at the same time, kind of get home at the same time. So dinners were always together. You know, Friday nights were a little different for me. She thankfully didn't have to work football, so she didn't have um, to work too many Saturdays. Uh, but, you know, kind of going with that and then, you know, having our son and, you know, that lifestyle changes. Um, I'm a huge advocate for, you know, a proactive father in the family. And, you know, even now I'm currently looking at, okay, you know, how many dinners am I going to miss? Because, you know, given the high school practices don't start till after school. Um, and that's three o'clock for some most. I'm not getting home till six, seven o'clock. Um, so it's one of those things. Yeah. You have to reevaluate. It's one of those things that now she, for us to move up here, it's part of it is for her allowing her to step back. Um, to be home with my son. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that's going to be better because she can, given the athletic world and kind of my role, I can kind of hang out a little bit. Um, so there'd be, I think, a lot of games where my son is going to be on the sideline running around doing his thing. Um, but at least for me to have that visual, I think is going to be awesome and, um, you know, proper nurturing of the child uh, with mom home all the time. Well, well, I think it's uh, – I didn't realize that she was a, an athletic trainer as well. I think uh, yeah, it's, that's pretty cool because it's it's an understanding relationship. You guys both do the same job. You, you kind of know what to expect from each other. So it doesn't always work that way with, with other professions. You know, sometimes uh, people uh, marriages or, or relationships having the same job doesn't always work. But it sounds like you guys are making it work pretty good. So, that, so that's great stuff. How, how long has she been at uh, Orange Coast College, Kevin? Did, did she – she, did she interact at all with, with the, you know, the, the, the baseball coach, John Altabelli, who, who recently passed away? Yeah, so she's been there six years, so she's known John pretty well. Didn't really work with him directly. I think she had one season where she was kind of with the team. Um, mm -hmm. But, I mean, that was a big hit for that entire uh, Coast Community College. And just, you know, they're in meetings all the time. They've been on, you know, committees together, passings. Um, she been there a couple times when, you know, when Kobe showed up, you know, just to inspire the boys. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's baseball. It's a different world. It's she, she enjoys being out there with that, you know, John's teams because, you know, baseball players are cut from a different cloth. I mean, some of the jokes that they have, uh, <laughs> you can't come up with. 
Um, but no, yeah, she, she worked well. And it, that was one of those things that hit hard for home. Um, it was one of those things that she knew before it actually got released who those other individuals were on the plane. Um, because John's brother lives, uh, works also at the, at the school. So it kind of got out because they knew, mm-hmm. you know, they were on the same teams. Like, Hey, was, you know, we haven't heard back from him. Was your brother on the flight? He's like, yeah, he was on the, fl- he, he was on part of that flight. Um, so it was a hit that kind of, you know, it ruffled some feathers, um, not in a good way, but you know, the team decided to move forward with the season. Uh, unfortunately the first game back, I think it, because of that new stadium that they put in, they didn't put in lights. Um, <laughs> I think it ended up as just, you know, stalemate. They had to come back and finish it, but Unfortunately, they couldn't finish out that season to, you know, in honor of John Antebelli and just well, what he meant to to that institution, especially that. I don't know. Have you been to that baseball field? Yeah, I've, I've worked uh, plenty of games there. I, I've uh, umpired games where, where John Antebelli was the coach. And, and it was really eerie hearing of, you know, the, the helicopter crash that morning that, you know, I, I remember specifically at plate meetings, you know, the, the head coaches would come out, exchange lineup cards, and, you know, you go over ground rules and stuff. And he had he had mentioned uh, a couple different times that his daughter had played basketball with Kobe Bryant's daughter. And, yeah, we fly with Kobe uh, to different game, uh, games and stuff. And, you know, he was proud of his daughter, and he was uh, just, you know, uh, he was – fortunate and he he always said that about Kobe Bryant was gracious to you know include them and everything and and so to hear those words you never think in a million years that hearing those words from someone like John that later on down the road uh that whole all those words were bottled up into a tragedy and as I was seeing it on television that morning and then into that afternoon and just hearing who was on the the helicopter and everything I was just like I cannot believe this you know John John was a uh, – there were times he was tough, He was, but, you know, he's trying to win a ball game, right? Yeah. So there were times he was intense, but, but I think he was pretty fair for the most part. If you, if you worked hard, you, you did a decent job and, uh, you know, didn't think you were too big for the game or anything, he, he kind of left you alone. I think he could see um, good umpires, just like we can see kind of good coaches and everything. And he was a local legend. I mean, a guy that – could have probably gone many other places to coach at high levels, but he loved the the level he was at and he was very successful. And he's, he really built orange coast college into one of the top baseball programs in the entire country. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I hear, you know, it's one thing that in the middle of the game, things get kind of get heated and whatnot, but you know, my wife always said he was a man of character. He, he worried more about developing men, young men, especially, you know, 18, 19 year olds, you're still, to me, adolescent, <laughs> uh, yeah. even looking back at myself, uh, he was good about developing characters. He always had them doing community projects and whatnot. Um, so for me, that was, I think I met the, him once or twice, nothing real personal or anything, but you know, for me, those are the types of coaches that I can back and support are the ones that are truly developing, you know, outstanding citizens to be, you know, good husbands, mm-hmm. fathers, bosses, uh, workers, like I said, there's more to sport than just um, X's and O's and, you know, who gets the W at the end of the day. Oh, yes, 100%. And when you're when you're playing as a kid or you're, or you're coaching, yeah, you want to get those W's. But uh, we all stop playing at some point. We all take the uniform off 
and we're going to have to live this, uh, this game of life really. Right. So it's all about lessons and uh, things that motivate you and building character. Like you said, uh, Orange Coast Baseball, great program. I wish them, uh, you know, nothing but the best moving forward, as all the colleges in Southern California and around the country who really had to have their seasons cut short this year. Very sad with the, with the COVID lockdown and everything. Uh, I do want to say, Kevin's, about Mount SAC, your experience at Mount SAC, working with the football program there. That uh, Mount SAC, for those that don't know, is a very strong uh, community college a football program, one of the best in the country. They're always in the in the hunt for the state title. They are always in the mix for the for the national title. Just a great tradition there. Um, you know, anytime you had an opportunity to work a Mount Sac game you, as as a as an official, you know, you knew you were going to be tested, and you got to bring your A game. There's good athletes and and uh, good, good coaching staff and everything. Uh, but but what can you tell me as far as being a trainer, an athletic trainer, uh, having opportunities to work with a football program because if, if people really pay attention and see all of the athletic trainers it takes to run a football program, especially at the college level, I mean, I think people would be surprised. I mean, it seems like there's, there's, there's at least 10 of you guys running around down there. What, what was it like? Uh, how, many, how many athletic trainers does it generally take to be involved in a football program uh, at that level? Realistically, it should be about four certified athletic trainers. Uh, most mm-hmm. community colleges run one. Uh, so all the other, you know, I know we're on the phone, but air quotes, trainers, the athletic trainers that are out there are mostly students. So mm-hmm. that comprises of, you know, the Mount Sac students who are there just kind of getting their feet wet, trying to get some school credit um, to college kids who are in their um, accredited programs, getting their clinical immersive clinical experience. And then you have other ones who have kind of, you know, Hey, I need some hours. I'm thinking about doing, you know, physical therapy. I want to be a PA. I want to do chiropractic with, you know, sports med background. Um, So you got different walks of life that are out there at the end of the day, it's just getting a job done. Like you said, it it is an intensive day. Um, You know, if we're playing a one o'clock game, we're usually there, you know, at a home game, probably around 7 a.m., do our meetings, debriefs, you know, who's working what, what station, um, because it's not just tape and ankles. I mean, you got hydration that you have to worry about. You have rehab plans that you're looking at. Um, you're looking at doctor's notes that, you know, are coming in from the night before. Um, you know, it's, you know, like a jack of all trades because, once again, they're adolescent. Um, you know, I, you know, I forgot my shoelace. Do you have one? Yes, we have some shoelaces you can have. Um, so <laughs> kind of working in that aspect, you know, that started, you know, seven, eight AM in the morning to your debrief. Um, then we kind of split up into teams, you know, there's a, the taping team, you know, that does, you know, your ankles, wrists, fingers, knees, uh, some of them probably needed their head taped. Um, but <laughs> you know, that's, you know, two and a half hours of your head down, just grinding, um, kind of put some music on, you know, doing your routines that you have with some of the guys and then another weekend you could be, you know, field set up. Um, and that, you know, being the host for the visiting team, like, Hey, if you guys need anything, water, whatnot, you know, here's some spigots, here's some lunch. Um, it, going that, or you're inside doing rehabs for, you know, the guys that, you know, have some ailments kind of going through um, off that. And then kickoffs usually one o'clock. So we're, all of us for the most part are on the field at, by noon um, and then we're doing safety checks, you know, making sure 
screws are tight on the helmets. You know, everyone's got their mouthpieces, uh, you know, some last minute adjustments and then kind of the game goes on and, you know, Mount Sac working that we had about maybe 10 students present plus the head athletic trainer who was working there, um, Andy Pollan, you know, working that every quarter you switch stations. So one station you're at the medical tent, the other one you're, uh, second quarter, you're doing water, then you're on the field, and then you're um, with the athletic trainer, or and then the fourth quarter, you're with the team doc. Um, so it's just kind of, and that goes on. And then post game, you know, we're split up again. You know, who's doing cleanup? Who's going? Who's I? Who's going to the hospital with you know um, the kid with the broken arm or concussion? Uh, you can go into post game rehabs. All right, let's start, you know start tracking everything, putting it into. Um, the injury tracking system. And then once ev- the last kid's out the door, you know, we have another 30 minute debrief of, okay, what happened? What did we do good? How do we improve? Um, so that's just your normal 10 game schedule. And then, you know, as you talked about touch base, bounce tech, I was kind of there on their modern day heyday between a little bit before I got there in 06. I think they had back to back or th- I think two runs at the state championship game and then I think 09, they ended up breaking that little spell and actually winning it in 09. Um, but yeah, I mean, your season was never 10 weeks. It was always going on 11, 12, 13 off to the state championship. And, you know, as most things, camps start early. You're looking at early August. So we're running out there early August through pretty much December, um, all football. But, you know, I got to work with a couple decent players that made it off to the league. Um, Bruce Servin's a big name. They got taken by the Seahawks, I think 15th overall. There's another guy, uh, I can't remember his last name, Clay, who, you know, bounced around. And a lot of those guys, like kind of mentioned earlier, coaching high school, coaching some college, um, some bigger programs. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a the hard work. And you see, and it comes from the head coach, Bob Jabshav. Um, he's a player's coach. You know, he knows the X's O's. He gets his good coaches in there. But, you know, what's he doing before games? He's making sandwiches with his mom for the post-game meals for each of these guys who are living off their community college budgets. <laughs> Bob is a character. He's uh he's something else. He, I think he's a very fair guy. Uh, you know what? He, he wants control of his players and, and from an official, from officials, he just wants honesty. He wants obviously hard work. And, you know, if you tell it, if you tell him straight up how it is, you know, he he'll tell it, tell it right back to you or uh, he's he's just open and honest I, I've never had any issues with him it's always been a pleasure working his sidelines because we don't have to agree on everything for sure but you know what you're going to get and there's a mutual respect there I think that he has with all officials and and that's part of many reasons why he's been so successful successful at that program but yeah oh coach yeah I haven't worked his game in a long time but he's quite a funny guy yes Well, Kevin's uh, football is just, it's a different animal. There's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot of uh, activity, so many moving parts. I know the athletic training staff uh, for every school that does it, you know, works hard. They put in a lot of time. Uh, Football could not happen without them, especially in today's world, just kind of, you know, all this focus on safety all the time, which is important. Um, But I want to ask you two things. You've worked multiple sports. You've been involved in basketball and baseball and uh two questions the first one being as a former 
football official, basketball official, baseball umpire. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes us officials, we go down, we twist an ankle, we get run over, we, uh, we get overheated. Uh, do, do you remember any uh, moments off the top of your head when you had to treat an official uh, or has it happened multiple times? Knock on wood, has it not happened yet? What are your, what are your thoughts on that as far as uh, being there when, when officials kind of need medical attention? Yeah, uh, a lot of it is just advice that I like to give because it's, you know, they bring up this one story. It's like we don't have enough time to go through, you know, the full history of things. But, you know, a lot of re- online research, you know, yeah, you're down the right path. You know, it's one of those things. If it continues, go seek further medical attention. Um, thankfully, nothing serious has happened um, on my playing fields. Um you know, the things that worry me is, you know, lower level football or lower level anything. You get the individuals that m- probably should have retired already um, <laughs> from what they're doing. But, you know, on those hot days. So I've always been very aware of who's around and, you know, offering water to those officials. Because I look at my job I'm like, man, I have to be out here this entire time. But at least, you know, I can go grab a quick bite if I needed to. You know, take a bite out of my sandwich or, you know, I have my Diet Coke with me, um, but they don't have that <laughs> that leisure. So I make sure to, you know, go out, you know, give them a Gatorade, give them some water, give them something, you know, to refresh them if need be. Um, or on those hot days, like, hey, I got a slush bucket over here with ice water and some rags. If you want to sprinkle some of that over your neck, go for it. Um, you know, and they appreciate that. And some of them, you know, are kind of old school. It's like, no, I don't need anything. Um, I'm like, you may not need anything, but I don't want you to become my issue. So this is what we can do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I've run into officials over the past years that, you know, I've kind of gotten to know me and I've gotten to know them, which is always nice to just uh, have a familiar face. Cause for me at the end of the day, if we win, that's cool. If we lose, you know, it's tough, but as long as everyone goes home safe, that's kind of my deal. Uh, like I said, I haven't had anything major on my ends. I know, I've had a couple colleagues, you know, that have had to do CPR on, you know, officials or even just someone in the stands. Um, and then, you know, I've had some given the Anaheim Union School District, uh, they're still on grass fields that, you know, gophers tend to enjoy. Um, had a dislocated ankle. Uh, one of my colleagues had to deal with that. And, you know, you know, just hearing their stories, I'm like, all right, yeah, we've done the same thing. And glad it was you and not me. Uh, for me, a, a quiet day is a good day. Um, if I'm too busy, it's not a good thing for myself and the individuals involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It sounds like uh, almost similar to officiating. Uh, one of yeah. my favorite words, favorite uh, terms, uh, and hopes for games is that they're uneventful. Uneventful yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't care who wins. I just want to try to do a job, not get yelled mm-hmm. at too much, and not have any issues. And yeah, you're wearing the the usually the colors or the, the logo of, of the team that you're working for, and you want to win too. I get it. But but honestly, as officials, you know, you guys are the only people that we can really. Uh, well, I won't say our, you're our friends, but you're the you're the only people we can really talk to, uh, whether it's getting a cup of water or or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. I mean, it's a, it, it's a similar working relationship. Um, again, cause I know well, you're talking about players and, you know, having to fix shoelaces and mouthpieces and, and this and that some of the players, uh, yeah, they, they do want you to, I don't know. It's almost like you're babysitting a little bit. And I've seen that in some trainers sometimes and they're just like rolling their eyes at some of the, some of the needs of players at times. So I'm sure you can relate a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we're like, we, we are mom and dad, 
when it comes to cameras like i forgot this like do you have this like you know do you have a left-handed screwdriver i'm like no i don't have a left-handed screwdriver like first of all they don't make those second of all you don't need one so you know we get some of the craziest things and you know given the high school i you mentioned you know i've worked from pros to college in high school it really is a nice little niche um for me um because you do get those kids at the informative years, you know, you can see them kind of grow up um, between, you know, they're working at a public school. It's you get those rough freshmen and, you know, you see them grow up and, you know, I, you know, you look back and say, you were a terrible kid, you know, four years ago. And I'm glad who, who you've become. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, like the officials, I, for me, as I get older, I'm like, you know, you know what my perfect baseball game is? One, nothing. Last run is scored. Um in the seventh inning for the home team, it's a walk-off and there was maybe, you know, 20 strikeouts on both sides. <laughs> uh, oh man. The quicker, quicker the game, the better for me. That means I just get to go home early. <laughs> but you should, uh, up, you, you're, you're talking, you're preaching to umpires right now, my friend. I mean, everything you're thinking is the same exact thing. I just, I like boring. I like a boring yeah. game. I just want, I want a boring fast game. I don't care who wins, but uh, yeah, just nice and quick. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> same thing with but, us. Same thing when I see the, uh, when we're going into um, foul trouble. I'm like, you know, keep it under. We don't need to stop every foul. Like, you, you got 20 fouls, and I'm not rooting for my team or whatever. It could be 20 on the other team. I don't care. It's like, but that just means the clock is stopping. Oh, <laughs> yes. Stop the, clock. <laughs> the whistle blowing is not a good thing in basketball. Let me tell you. No. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, well so you kind of mentioned it, but let me ask you real quick. Have you – you haven't really had anything tragic happen or anything super severe. Uh, and if, if there really isn't one that sticks out, that's fine. Or you don't want to talk about it. That's totally fine too. Well, I was going to say, what, what's, what's one of the worst injuries you've seen and, and were forced uh, to, to have to address and assist in. Yeah. It's one of those things uh, kind of that tell people I I'm paid for what I know, not necessarily what I do. Um, so it's just, I had a incident a couple of years back. I want to say five years back, kind of early on, Nothing got to the point where it's like, hey, this is a gruesome story, but it's just knowing knowing what you're doing with dealing with, knowing who you're working with. Um, I had a young freshman, you know, throwing BP from 45 feet away on the L screen, turned the wrong way rather than turning into the L. He, you know, a line drive came back, hit him in the head. Um, nothing major at that point. Kind of, I got called out because it was a practice over to the freshman field. Um, kind of ask him the questions, you know, you know, where does it hurt? He's side of my head, anything else, any dizzy, nauseousness, you know, your normal concussion like symptoms. He's like, no, nah, just kind of pounding head, you know, right on my head. He's kind of covering his eyes. He's laying, you know, eyes to the sky, sun's in his eyes. So I'm like, all right, you know, everything checked out, removed him from the field, got him in the office. Thankfully it was one of those, I knew his mom because he played football earlier in the year, um, gave her a call, you know, within 30 minutes, she was there from the point of contact um, to the point he left, you know, Hey, go get checked out. He does have, you know, for lack of better words, a monkey bump on his head. Um, and just kind of go get checked out. You, let's be safe with this one. Cause he did, you know, baseball coming at you from 45 feet can have some velocity and, you know, didn't hear anything about it. Go about my day, you know, treat some other kids, you know, make some jokes with some of the students, um, around later that day, I want to say like two hours later, I'm like, it's like, I text the mom. I'm like, Hey, you know, just want to get a follow-up. I haven't heard anything. He's like, oh, he's being airlifted to Sunset, Kaiser. 
Um, so they ended up doing a craniotomy on the kid. So that means they removed a piece of his skull to let the swelling um, expand and not, you know, cause any brain damage. So for me, that was one of those, like, I knew what was kind of going on. There was just a feeling like, hey, just go get checked out. Just go to the ER, let them know. Um, because as we were going, the kid didn't pass out. I mean, he was conscious the entire time. I told mom, like, hey, just say he blacked out a little bit. Just, <laughs> you know, under under the rug kind of words, just, you know, just to kind of expedite that. But, you know, um, thank God that, you know, he ended up going there because it's one of those things, if that parent ignored it, and good thing the parent trusted me um, to make that call and go, because that's one of those things, you know, two hours later, that kid would have been dead if, you know, we didn't take the proper course of action. Um, like I said, it's nothing gruesome, but it's one of those things, what ifs, it was a lot of what ifs, you know, I got that, once I read that message, it's, you know, you sit back down and you're like, did I do everything right? Did, did, you know, did I make the right call? Did I wait too long? Did, you know, um, but thankfully nothing too drastic in my career has happened. You know, thankfully I haven't had to do CPR or, you know, bring out the defibrillator or anything of that nature. But, you know, it's one of those things I'm just ready for it. Um, it takes a little bit of fun away from the game, uh, especially when you're having kids return from concussions, especially in football. I'm like, I like holding my breath the first quarter. And then after that, I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's go back to enjoying the game a little bit more from that, from that aspect. Yeah. It's a very unique perspective you guys have on things. Um, it is this, you're ready for anything. And, and, you know, when things go really bad, you, you gotta be ready. Everyone's looking at you guys. Uh, you know, it's one of the worst yeah, it's one of the worst things that shouted at a sporting event. Uh, the people may not know who are in the stands, but trainer, 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 <laughs> train. I mean, it's like uh, it's not as severe, but it's like a medic in combat, yeah. you know, medic, medic. I mean, it's, it's similar. And uh, yeah, I see you guys. You guys are always sprinting out there, uh, not knowing what you're running to. It may be a broken leg. It might just be you know, a, a, a sprained knee or something. It could be a concussion. It could be a, something uh, very severe. You just never know. So that when you're sprinting out there onto the field, is that kind of the mindset? Like when you're, when th- that, you know, 10 second uh, jog or sprint that you guys do, is it like, is this the stressful moment um, because you don't know what you're going to run up to? Or is it just like, Hey, this is another situation we've been trained for. Honestly, 90% of the time, I know what it is. And that's, okay. I would say, across the country, that's pretty much what it is. Because we're taught to look at the biomechanics of what's going on on the field. You know, we're talking about the stresses. If a kid gets hit in the knee, we know. If he's getting hit on the outside of the knee, um, on the lateral side, we know it's going to be an, a medial side um, type of injury. Um, just the way if you look, if you're trying to break a pencil, it doesn't break where your thumbs are. It's going to break on the outside. So that's the same thing with um, contact. Um, you know, if you're looking at a female athlete on a soccer field who, you know, who's running, you know, plant twist and she goes down, you know, that's a key sign for, you know, what they call the terrible triad. You're looking at meniscus, you're looking at ACL and MCL. So we're, we're taught to, to see the game in a different set of eyes, kind of like as officials. Um, for me, when it comes to the football or any really sport, I lag on where I follow the ball. Cause it's the point of contract and high velocity points, you know, football, they, you know, they snap the ball. I'm looking at the lineman. I'm not looking where the quarterback's at as that kind of play develops. Then I kind of see did the quarterback get safe. Um, if he's, you know, if he's going to throw a pass, then I'm kind of looking at him still as the ball is in the air, 
seeing if there's going to be, you know, some contact at him. And then I kind of trail and see where the ball ends up to see that point of contact. Same thing with soccer, basketball, any other sport. It's I trail the ball because the action is going to happen a little bit later than when it happens. Um, would you would assume same thing with the running back. He's not going to, you know, tear an ACL as soon as he gets the ball handed to him. It's once he has it, he runs a little bit, then gets the contact. And that gives me enough time to see the quarterback as he hands it off, you know, until the point of contact. Kevin's that's fascinating stuff because it's very similar to officiating. It's uh, a lot of time, especially football. We have seven guys out there. Everyone's kind of looking other places, trying to do their job. And I don't know how many times, you know, someone will be like, Oh, you, Oh, you were on the field. You were reffing that game. Do you remember that? Remember that crazy catch in the end zone? And you'd be like, uh, no, actually I was watching the quarterback after he threw it, he got contacted and making sure he wasn't roughed. Like that is, that is how you look at a game. And it's one of the toughest things to train in young officials. I'm assuming the same way with young athletic trainers that, you know what? The ball is not going to get injured. No, (laughs) the the ball, the ball is not going to commit a penalty. So you don't need to watch the ball. You need to kind of know the status, but because it kind of, where the ball is kind of was where a lot of action is. So you got to watch around it, but yeah, the ball doesn't get injured and the ball doesn't commit penalties. So if you're watching that, you're watching the wrong things. That's, that's really interesting stuff. Yeah. And like you said, (laughs) the ball can't get injured. Can it injure someone in maybe basketball, baseball, other things? Yeah. But (laughs) it's the point of contacts and high velocity points. And it's a lot of biomechanics um, that kind of go into it. And like I said, I have, I can still enjoy the game just because I've kind of, you train your eye to kind of do that. Um, but the good thing is that doesn't deter me away from enjoying sports in my personal life. I can still watch football all day, baseball, basketball, whatever that may be. And my mind, and I can turn it off. I'm not watching for injuries. For me, it's, when I get home, I become dumb. I don't know what, you know, a basic <laughs> thing is. I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I turned it off. <laughs> Yeah, let your yeah, let your brain take a break, take a break because you you've been doing that all day and and paranoid and and worrying about kids getting injured yeah. and especially you know high school high school age I'm sure I mean it's a big campus uh, young kids are uh, well we'll just say they're young kids and anything can happen so I'm sure there's things that go on on high school campuses even where you're like oh boy I got to go help with this uh, bloody nose or or uh, you know this guy. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, I'm sure as an athletic trainer, you're just kind of always on call, right? Yeah, and you know, it gets to the point. I'm like, I hope, I hope they don't have to call me. It's one of those like, hopefully it's not me. But <laughs> uh, I have a different mentality. We have you know some really good professionals out there who is you know, you know they're ready for anything. I am too. You know, you talked about some athletic trainer sprinting. I don't sprint for me. It just if I sprint, I feel like that puts some panic in the crowd. Um, for me, you know, if it's a leisure walk, you know, nice little jog, it gives the kid time to, you know, calm down, get his cries out, you know, whatever that may be. But at the end of the day, I get there and it's like, hey, guy, like whatever has happened has happened, you know. So calm down. Let's get figure this out. You know, if you're able to walk, let's get you to the silence, get a better assessment of what's going on. But, you know, you pounding the ground, if you tore your ACL, it's torn. You know, if I wait five minutes, it's still torn. Um, so I have a little bit of a different mentality with that aspect. Um, and it takes some coaches some getting used to 
Because someone was like, well, what's wrong? I was like, I can't tell you right now. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm letting the yeah. kid go through his emotions because, you know, a kid who's angry is going to be angry. And, you know, we've been there. Um, I, it's just one of those things that I don't have to get an answer right away. Um, because regardless, the kid's going to come out for a play. You know, you know, I know how certain kids are. Part of it is just the dramatic effect of like, hey, I kind of got hurt. You know, I want the attention on me. And then there's those ones that, you know, no, leave me alone. I want out. I was like, all right, now we've got to step back. I got to check you out before we even let you in. And, you know, I lean on the official sometime on the last I'm like, they're not going to let you in until I say you can go in. Um, yep. And that's kind of the case with concussions. And uh, But, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting world for sure. Well, and, and kind of, man, I got to tell you, like, I've coached before, never at a high level. But in coaching, you know, you know, your players are hurt. You want to try to make them tough it out. Hey, guy, come on. You got to you're, you're a little hurt. You can you can get through this. Um, what, what's that? There's a little noise going on back there. Oh, Kevin. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fidgeting. I'm fidgeting. <laughs> fidgeting. You're nervous. You're looking for the, the next injury to fix. Uh, no, I'm sorry. But but like coaches. Coaches never think their player is as hurt as they do. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, or I've, that's what I've seen perception from sidelines and, and being on a field is they're just kind of like, yeah, that guy's always hurt. And, and there might be some truth to that, but you know, you got to err on the side of safety. I think uh, most players, especially at the college level that they, they want to play. And if they can't play it, it, it probably devastates them. But what can you speak on just with that relationship? The fact that, the coaches work with these players. They try to push them. They want them on the field. Uh, their their livelihood is at stake as a coach. Uh, but then there's you guys. And then there's you guys who are uh, concerned about safety as everyone is, but your primary job is that. And just kind of the interaction with a coach who wants his players on the field, but or maybe a player even wants to get on the field and you're like, no, 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 no. Like you just mentioned. So what can you tell me about that dynamic with working with coaches? Uh, because coaches, they love you guys, but I'm sure they also look at you guys like uh, at times you restrict <laughs> their play calling <laughs> or their, or their game personnel. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's the relationship you develop uh, over mm -hmm. time. Hopefully, you know, for me coming into a new football season, it's, going to be developing a new relationship with that coach you have some great coaches you have some terrible coaches you have some old school mindset coaches and you have ones that are you know progressive um so it really comes to the relationship that you develop and like you said there's days where i can just tell they're gonna hate me but at the end of the day it's my job um but it's kind of informing them you know this is what let's talk things through before it actually happens it's about being proactive versus reactive and like, you know, concussion is the big one that's kind of out there. It's like, Hey, if they get a concussion, don't expect them, you know, a week later, it's going to be probably two to three um, depending on insurance and whatnot. By the time they go see doctors and, you know, if they're compliant um, and it all depends on symptoms. So just kind of give them that forewarning. Hey, if you, ex we expect this, this is kind of where we're going. And, you know, like you said, coaches, they want their players out there, whether that's, for the good or um, for the good or for the bad, um, you know, like once again, touch base on concussions, like, Hey, you know, they failed in this aspect. It's like, well, the kid's dumb to begin with. It's like, well, yeah, I understand that. But 
if you know the kid says i got hit in the head i have a i feel nauseous and have a headache that's enough red flags for me to say hey you're not worth my job <laughs> um yeah coach it's the same thing it's you know if you want to go ahead and go forward with that you're you know you, we're looking at some um ramifications that need to happen you know same thing it's can the kid play is like you i i look at the coach and say you tell me hey kid go run you know 20 20 yards and they're limping and hobbling and they're dragging their foot like is he good to you? And they're like, no. Then why are you asking me? Like, it's it's an obvious <laughs> thing. The kids are going to be ready when they're ready. Um, and the, and those are talking in times where you know it's nothing serious. You know, I don't like to use the word tweak, but there are times where you tweak your ankle. Because um, like, I think it was yesterday. I was in the backyard. I stepped on a rock and you know you know sprained my ankle. But I'm like, I was better in two hours. There's those types, and then there's the ones that you know turn black and blue, purple, and you got to do the whole elevation thing. Um, but the, I'm very laid back in a sense and easygoing. It's like, it's either you can go or you can't. If you hobbling up and down the field, uh, how, how do you expect to play something, you know, play a sport, you know, at a kid, you know, it was like, who who did not want to be seen. Um, he, he hit his hand or something of that nature. Um, until I'm like, Hey, you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, I'm like, well, stop acting like a pansy and man up. He's like, you know, he took that deep breath. He's like, you know, I got you, homie. I got you, homie. I'm like, all right, that's all I'm asking. Like, if you're going to be in yeah. pain, you're in pain. You know, let's look at it. If you're not, but if it's not that big of a deal, don't act like it's a big deal kind of a deal. Um, and I think that comes from, you know, my previous coaching experience. It's me growing up in sport. You know, I was never the fully um, injury free player. Uh, growing up, I always had some type of ailment in, in my set and in my career. Um, so I think I'd bring a little bit of being part of sport into my job. Um, but at the same time, it, I take caution um, with those kids that need caution. And, you know, um, we talk about parents. Certain parents are a little bit more cautious than others. And it's just understanding their background um, and kind of with that. But at the end of the day, coaches are going to be coaches. They want their players out there and, you know, I just left one of my better football coaches. He'd, he'd come in, you know, come in on hot, and then he'd take a step back. He's like, you know what? It's your call. You let me know. Um, so that's <laughs> the one I kind of appreciate. And, you know, he was one that, you know, it's a little hot out there. He's like, hey, how should we do conditioning? I'm like, I don't know. Just run him. Like, because <laughs> that's how we grew up. He's like, it's hot outside. All right, we'll run. <laughs> We're going to run a little bit extra today because it builds character. Uh, <laughs> I still kind of have that mentality, but I have to remember at the end of the day, it's, you know, I'm the one responsible for those things and kind of going with that. And just, you know, it's being once again, proactive and, you know, looking at weather reports, Hey, it's going to be a little bit hotter today. You know, let's change conditioning. If we're going to do conditioning, okay, let's lose some of the shells. Um, things of that nature. It's just, I think I, I have a unique approach. Um, like I said, my wife's an athletic trainer. She goes like, I wouldn't have done that. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> we have different <laughs> philosophies, but at the end of the day, the kids are safe, you know, the kids look at me sometimes when it's like, it's, it's a little hot today, right? I'm like, yeah, you should probably run a little bit more. <laughs> Drink some water now so you won't suffer later. Um, and they just look at me like, oh, I was expecting you to help. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to help you with that. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's yeah. a, that's that's a, that makes me proud, uh, yeah. Kevin, <laughs> from the, from the, uh, the good old days. Uh, you know, you know, man, that, that's all fascinating stuff. It really is. I like hearing uh, about, 
sports through different eyes, different perspectives. And that's definitely one that uh, people, I think, can appreciate. They can appreciate how different it is, that it is about safety. It's a very different perspective. I, I think uh, being around sports in, in any avenue is wonderful. And I've always appreciated athletic trainers uh, for what they do. It's a, it's a similar, it's a, it's a pretty thankless job when you really think about it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really happy that you're doing some wonderful things. Uh, it sounds like all of your experiences have, have really shaped, uh, you know, the path you've taken. And it sounds like, uh, you know, you got some, some great big things ahead. Are, are you still, you, you just got to Adelanto high school. I mean, is that, and you bought a house up there. Is that something you consider probably doing long-term up there? Or do you have other kind of future goals and other, uh, other things you'd like to pursue in the athletic training field? I think right now it's just, uh, this is where the chapter of my life is. There's, in athletic training, you know, people always say, oh, why don't you go work pros? Why don't you do this? You know, like, it's like I make just as much as some of the assistant who works for pros, like where the community college or community colleges, certain, you know, universities. It's just it's a different realm. Um, for me, the lifestyle is a little bit different. I can recall during my um Internship years, I was Cal State Fullerton. We were part of the bracket buster. We ended up pulling Corpus Christi. So we left, had to be at the gym at Cal State Fullerton 5 a.m. for a flight, flew out to Corpus Christi. That took us all day for the most part. Plus, you're adding a couple hours, you know, shoot around at around seven, um, get back to the room, do a couple treatments, eat dinner. You're up at, for some reason, we had a nine o'clock game. I think it was like a, so I think I've been 11, uh, 11 a.m. on ESPN3 game. Um, played the game. Went, get the guys didn't even shower. Went straight to the airport. Flight got delayed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I ran into you at the, on that trip. Really? I, I don't know if you remember. We're in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Was it the yes. airport? What, what year was that? That was 2012, I think. Oh, that's you know what? Wait, was it eleven? Two thousand eleven, maybe? It might have been eleven. Okay, I think it was eleven because I was flying home from the Midwest and I had a layover in Dallas, and there was a big delay in, in the uh, as far as flying back. I, I believe if that's yes, that would line up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. But yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, giving that delay, getting it home around midnight and we had, because some of the guys had something to do on Sunday, guess what? We were back in the office at 6 a.m. Um, so it was literally, you know, 15 hours in Corpus Christi uh, to turn uh -huh. around and, uh, you know, we had working a little bit of professional soccer, same thing. It's, you know, we fly out, we were Tulsa, Oklahoma, I mean, the humidity was a hundred degree, a hundred percent at a seven o'clock game. I'm walking across the field, lugging my stuff. I'm like, I feel like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. I'm like, how do the players expect to play? Um, <laughs> but yeah, turn around, you know, we had stayed a little bit longer that day just for recovery. Um, and then, you know, we had a regen session the next morning when we got back from that flight and had a game the following day. So that lifestyle is just, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to it. It's, it's not, it's great for a bachelor. It's great if, you know, you're younger and don't have things holding you down, but 
uh, I think high school is a niche. And for me, I kind of want to go back into coaching. Um, so looking potentially getting my teaching credential, um, just to kind of get back into that foot. And once again, we talked about family dynamics changing and that will get me home a little bit earlier, um, most of the year. Um, and yeah, so I think the end goal would be go back into teaching, uh, and do a little coaching. I, I do enjoy that aspect and I feel like I can, for me, it's kind of mentioned it before developing young men, um, to be contributing factors to society. And I think that allows you to make that connection with them. Um, like I said, high school kids, they're unique in their own way. Um, they're, they're a headache, they're a pain in the butt, but you know, it's a good time, um, in that Avenue. I I think that would be a great fit for you. I think, you know, you working now in high school is great and you're right. There, there's a lot of, uh, some people think it's glamorous, some of the travel and doing all these things at college or professional levels, but as someone who's experienced a lot of that stuff in my, in my own career, uh, yeah, it, it sounds good on paper, but you know what? There, there's a lot of stress and stuff to, to say uh, along that road as well. So, yeah, staying close to home and just having that everyday life at home is is priceless. And, you know, sometimes less is more, Kevin's. It really is. Um, let me ask you about 2003, 2004. I graduated high school in 2003. Wasn't sure what I was going to do. I said, well, let me stick around Rio Hondo and care youth league for a little while. And I was fortunate to get placed in the uh, junior high department, working with Todd Carson, working with seventh and eighth grade boys. And I was, uh, like I said, a freshman in college and going to school and uh, doing some part-time work, but also working primarily with you guys. And you guys were eighth graders and Todd was obviously a big mentor of mine. He and I have become really good friends over the years. Uh, but getting the opportunity to coach with him was a phenomenal experience. You think, you know, certain things as a player, but then when you start coaching kids, especially teenagers right off the bat, uh, it's definitely a unique experience. So I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, uh, you know, <laughs> junior high kids and just what <laughs> what it was like coaching you guys in different sports. So that was kind of uh, our only real interaction. What can you tell me about some of the memories from from your eighth grade year? And uh, I guess Coach Matt and Coach Bill Ritter <laughs> and, of course, Todd Carson. Yeah, it was a unique situation um, because I know it was something that really didn't happen before to my understanding, you know, recent mm-hmm. grads coming back were essentially ran same circles because um, the year before we were on the same campus. Uh, <laughs> so I think that was kind of <laughs> unique um, for me. It was like, it was like a love hate thing. Cause we had Randy Johnson seventh grade year and we, I was, we were going into the mindset, Hey, Mr. Johnson's going to be back. We're going to, you know, we're going to continue this thing and getting, getting word that he was, I think he left for Occidental that year um, to do athletic training and then ended up coming back at a later time. But hearing the, the names, um, Matt Hersema and Bill Ritter for me, it was like, sweet. Like I always looked up to you. I don't, I've never even told you that. I don't think, um, but the player that you were, cause I got to see a lot of your games um on the sidelines is kind of going I had the same goals I guess to meet your expectations of what you left um I love playing quarterback growing up so I wanted to be you know a quarterback um you're also a middle linebacker I, bl- I believe it was middle linebacker you know or a linebacker and you know that's something that I enjoyed so I wanted that 
Um, and basketball wasn't the biggest star in that aspect. If anything, I was always like the 12th man, um, should have probably been the water boy. Um, but your grit out there and what you took from the football field and you, you know, you took pride in taking charges. I'm like, I can do that. Like I, I can meet, I can meet your standard in that. And you growing up as a catcher, you know, I love playing catcher too. I'm like, dude, I want to be Matt Hersima. Um, so you coming back was, a uh, a good thing for me, but I think I mentioned earlier uh, off offline is like I don't think we saw eye to eye because between you and Bill Ritter, you know I said earlier Bill Ritter's kind of like, yeah man do your thing and you were more stringent you were more uh, lieutenant like uh, <laughs> used to quote Patton a lot uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my a lot you know as I talked this through you had a, a lot of influence for me. Um, because my respect for military kind of started with you because you were always, you know, we got to be, you know, going out to battle. We're going to do this, men. We're going to do this. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just it was a good time. And I think football, I think we we were just playing a little man. I think we were playing Joshua Springs. Um, I think we ended up losing the championship game that year. Uh, we played them once. You know, I think we beat them and then we weren't expecting that. Um, then the championship game game came around. I want to say it was Joshua Springs. I might be Joshua Springs. I think they they beat they beat us in the regular season. We played him in that playoff game. We upset him in overtime, I believe. Yes. You you had the game ceiling interception. Uh, you know that long bus trip up there, and we came away with a victory. And then uh, we we're gonna play Calvary Chapel, Santa yes. Ana, or and Costa that- Mesa, whatever they were. And yeah, they they took it to us in the championship game after we had beat them in the regular season. So kind of Correct. a tough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah and i and looking back i remember that that game we ended up calling the game early because danny castro broke his ankle yeah and we, we really didn't have any backups but looking back i think we talked a little bit you guys talk, we got out coached we, we got out played we got out coached they knew you know if we were going right they knew what we were doing and you know if we tried to do any trickery they had us they had us that game Calvary Chapel, <laughs> they scouted us beyond belief. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things, it's you, you can never be overprepared. I think that's one of the things that taught me in that game. It's just, you know, um, it wasn't it wasn't anything that we did wrong. It's just we got outplayed that game. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then I, th- I remember the next day we ended up having like a baseball scrimmage at some random park. <laughs> Todd, that was yeah, Todd, man. That was Todd, all Todd. Was all- <laughs> We need to play baseball in the fall. I'm like, no, it's football season. What are we doing? But uh, yeah, yeah. he loved uh, baseball and pushing. I love baseball too. And uh, he was very passionate about baseball. And I'm like, oh man, all right. Well, anyway. And I think baseball, basketball season, you ended up coaching like the B team. I think Bill took the, or you took the seventh graders. And, you know, I remember Bill it was like our early tournament we're, we're looking at there. Like I said, basketball wasn't my thing. Um, <laughs> and I remember it was, we we're down by like two or something. He goes, we're in the huddle and he goes, all right, Kevin's in, you're shooting um, the three in the corner. I'm like, what? Like I look behind him like, do you know who you're talking to? Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a basketball guy, <laughs> but that was just like one of those things. You guys didn't really know us. We're kind of learning each other. You guys are kind of really honing in what true coaching is like. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I remember that. That was another incident of ours. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I you know I think I started the year for football coaching the offensive side of things, and uh, we had, we were okay. But 
I think we made the switch about halfway through the season. I realized, you know what, I'm a better suited. It's better for the team. I think Bill has a really good offensive mind. Uh, he's more details oriented that way. I much prefer the defensive side of the ball. I made the switch there and I fell in love with coaching the defensive side of the ball in football. So like even something like that, a minor adjustment, I thought for sure, yeah, I'll, I'll coach the offense. I can do that. But I was yeah. better suited, I felt, on the defensive side. And Bill was better than me on the offensive side. And you guys, it was just you, – you, it was learning, like you said, as we were, as we were growing as young men ourselves. Uh, so it was, it was a challenge that I, I was up for and ready to go. And I'll never forget that first year. I mean, you and uh, Austin Napolitano, Danny Castro, Trevor Finchcamp, uh, uh, Ben Kamel, all you guys, man, you guys were so much fun. Jeff Boyle. I mean, <laughs> just a great group of kids. You guys were fantastic. You were so fun to, to coach. And yeah, we all bashed heads occasionally, but, but what coach and players, uh, don't you know so yeah. it was a blast even though i was only what five years older than you guys i think yeah i believe so yeah <laughs> yeah like, like i said I, I was once i started listening to the podcast i'm like i was trying to like remember some stories oh yeah like that and like i said i remember because you were a little more uh stringent and the disciplinarian I remember not really seeing eye to eye with you with certain things. I'm like, dude, just let us be kids. Like, <laughs> like no, we got to do this. <laughs> go pick up trash. Uh, yeah. Go pick up trash yeah. backwards or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> dude, like I said, experimenting, trying to learn. You know, I, I was a junior high kid five years before that. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to yeah, do what we could. And, and yeah, I, I think it was fun because – Todd had his approach. I had mine. Uh, Bill Ritter obviously had his. And I thought it was a fun group. I, I learned a lot, like I said, about myself in, in dealing with uh, other people, working together, uh, just learning that, hey, you're not a player anymore. So you got to look at things a little differently. And, and you know, at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, I think we had a great time. Uh, we had some fun outings. Uh, baseball season was was a lot of fun. Just just everything in general was uh, it was a fun experience. It's it's really cool to see where everyone has has gone from that year. You know, you're doing great things in athletic training. I would love to hear from from some of the other guys from from that time, and maybe we'll try to get them on the show here soon. I don't know. Yeah, with any contacts, let me know. And you know, I'm still really good friends with Taylor. Um, you know, Cody, Danny. Danny just had yeah. his uh, his his baby girl. Um, I saw month. that. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, a lot of us are still kind of in the know, um, doing our thing. But you know, it, it's a good catch up. You know, kind of in there with Josh Hernandez as well, class above me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I'm thankful for you know what you're putting out there. The content it, it, it brings me back, and just kind of seeing some guys I haven't seen in a while, or you know, didn't really run circles with. Like I, I was telling my my wife kind of heard the podcast with Nick. And I'm like, dude, I remember Nick, he'd be over at third base, just like ripping him, laughing, <laughs> uh, doing his thing. And, you know, that championship game you talked about, the 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 upset of the Indian um, beating his team. Like, I remember that game, too. Just like I said, it, it's good times for me. <laughs> and then your other uh, people you have on for me, you know, you talk a little bit of what's going on in the world, politics and whatnot. Those are everything up my alley that, you know, I enjoy listening to and getting different perspectives. So. No, I appreciate the content. 
Oh, I'm glad, man. I'm glad you're a, you're an avid listener, and you know it's it's fun to hear that different people are listening consistently. So they're with us every step of the way. That's that's a, that's great stuff, Kevin. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bring up Taylor Dinius. I don't I don't leave him out. He was one of the favorite guys I ever coached. Uh, just a <laughs> football player. Uh, is, is he still working at Mount Sac? Yep, he's still at Mount Sac. Um, they just opened up that new facility, so he's kind of working on that. He's trying to see if he can. Um, pivot in his position as uh, one of the equipment managers. So he primarily works with football in um, track and field. I think okay. he's trying to go into event coordinating with that new stadium that they built um, with the outside contractors coming in and doing some events there. So I think that's kind of his realm. Um, <laughs> he, he He's one that fell victim. He was supposed to get married this summer. Um, they ended up postponing their marriage or their wedding date um, due to the COVID-19 and everything, but, you know, he's doing good, um, doing his thing, same thing, hustling, <laughs> same, <laughs> same guy, bitter and, but happy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in man, his, it's in been a, a long time. In his own unique way. <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> no, that was, that was hilarious. I go to work a football game and then there's you on the sideline uh, working as an athletic trainer and there's Taylor running around uh, doing different equipment. Like, well, this is weird. <laughs> I tell my crew, I used to coach these guys right here. Like, what? You know, well, it turned out okay. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're doing great. Yeah. Oh, but, well, one thing about Taylor, do you remember? Do you remember we did those bike trips? Yes. We, we rode to the beach, and Taylor didn't have a bike, so he rollerbladed. And we're, we're talking like 30 miles. He rollerbladed uh, uh, along with everyone doing the, the bicycles. We rode down to Huntington Beach, down that that reservoir, that wash area, and he had the worst blisters I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, yes. Rollerblading far. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, because oh. we, we left Rio Hondo Prep. We went down the Santa Fe, not Santa Fe, or the riverbed to Seal Beach, and that's when he called it quits. Because um, <laughs> the yeah, the blisters were maybe like six inches long, maybe three or four. It was pretty much a nice circle. A uh, six-inch oh. circle around both arches of his foot. <laughs> but, yeah, I, oh. I, rem- I remember that bike because we ended up – our end point was Dana Point. Um, and I remember that trip because I was complaining the whole time because I didn't <laughs> like biking. <laughs> so I remember you, Todd, and Bill like, no, man, you just got to do it. So, you know, for me and, you know, being a little bit rebellious, I'm like, you know what? Forget you guys. I'm going to come and – I'm going to be the first one there. And, you know, I met my goal. I was the first one there just to, in, in my head to spite you guys. But I think you guys are like, good for you. Like, <laughs> you finished it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a, that was a fun one because we stayed. Yeah, because we stayed the night and then we had, a, of course, a baseball game the next day or at the end of the day or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that great Todd Carson scheduling. Let me tell you. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I can't talk. He listens to every one of these episodes. I can good. bash him all I want. Good friends. But, yeah, hey, let's. Let's do a 20-mile bike ride, and then we'll go play at the beach and, and go in the ocean, and then we'll have a, a baseball game at uh, 8.30 at night. Uh, yeah, you know what? We're going to have a doubleheader. Let's have a doubleheader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're killing me, Todd. Still, yeah. No, it was all fun, and he was he was trying to give you guys the best experience possible and, and give you a full schedule, keep you busy, keep you out of trouble, right? Yep. So, yeah, whatever your motivation was for, for finishing that ride early, hey, way to, way to go. <laughs> 
No, keeping well, them busy, I think, is great. Like I like to say, you know, an idle mind is the devil's playground. So keeping, oh. keeping us busy is a good thing. <laughs> oh, you, you say it. You said it. Uh, well, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for, for spending time with us, talking about uh, athletic training and what those experiences are like. Uh, coaching you guys was an absolute blast uh, way back in 2003, 2004. Uh, I just, you're, you're one of many examples of kids that have, gone through Rondo prep and pursued what they've wanted to do, what they felt called to do and are doing great things. So I couldn't be happier for you. Uh, congratulations, uh, you know, on the new job up in Atalanto. Uh, obviously your wife, your son, those are great things, man. And just uh, couldn't be uh, more proud of you, my friend. And look, look forward to seeing you uh, down the road sometime. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's meet up sometime and, you know, <laughs> continue reminiscing and go through more stories that we have. Don't have time for on there. <laughs> <laughs> You got it, man. Well, you take care, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks again, Kevin's Carpio. Really appreciate you taking the time to record with us. And uh, you know what, man? Good luck with everything to your wife and to the, your new son and everything. I think that's fantastic. The new job, the new house. Uh, great things ahead for you, man. And just uh, really great catching up with you. It's been a long time, and uh, you know what? I hope uh, the next time I reach out to you, it's not uh, because I'm injured in some way. It's just to catch up. So thanks again, Kevin. That was a lot of fun. Well, guys, on Saturday is the 4th of July, and my goal for our Friday show, July 3rd, is to put together uh, a little different type of show. I think it's just going to be me. If I get some voice messages from some people um, you know, on maybe some 4th of July topics or just kind of uh, – American uh, appreciation uh, messages. I may play those, but as of right now, I think my plan is to go over a few different things um, from a historical standpoint, a celebration, what the 4th of July means to me, obviously Um, just a few different stories. I think I'm going to try to research and find and put out for it. I'm going to call it a 4th of July show, even though it's on Friday, July 3rd. Uh, That's kind of the plan for now. One thing I've learned with this podcast is that, things often do change. (laughs) So uh, it could be at the last minute too. So that could completely change tomorrow. But for right now, that's the plan. A little 4th of July, we'll call it like a patriotic type show. Uh, We'll have some uh, interesting stories, maybe some some history that uh, we don't know about and just focus on the history that that we do know about with, uh, you know, Independence Day and the Revolutionary War, um, a lot, some American pride. We're going to try to really uh, promote loving, loving, uh, the red, white, and blue. And that's my goal. I don't know how good of a job I'm going to do, but that is the goal for now. I got some work to do. Uh, I will put some time in. I can promise you do some research, do what I can, uh, to try to put together a, a nice independence, uh, independence Eve show, if you will. So be sure to tune in tomorrow for that. <clears throat> Once again, guys, as I mentioned with the voice messages, if you'd like to to participate, to send a voice message. It's at the top of the page. It says message. It has a a plus sign uh, and you just click on that and record a message and it'll come right to us. We can implement that into any show. If uh, if we have a few of those, I'll put those on on Friday's episode for sure. Um, Even if you just want to say hello, uh, say, you know, anything really, uh, you can do that. And we want to let you guys know, continue to let you guys know that that opportunity is there uh, in the Anchor app only. Um, so again, if, if you 
don't want to download the Anchor app, you can go to anchor.fm and you can if, use your browser. You can still send a message to my knowledge. I uh, just talk right into your phone and, uh, and have at it. Uh, we operate our podcast through the Anchor app, as you are well aware. I can't say it enough how appreciative I am as a first-time podcaster, really just kind of being curious what podcasting was like and what you needed. And Anchor's really been there every single step of the way. They've been extremely helpful. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm the least tech-savvy person in the world, and I just continue to learn things on a daily best basis, and I, and I hope the recordings are coming in uh, as smooth as possible. And, and I just appreciate all you guys for continuing to listen to wherever you listen to our podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, plenty of other platforms, of course. Uh, guys, if you need to reach out to us other than the voice message, if you'd like to touch uh, base with us, you can email us. Uh, get home safe podcast is or get home safe podcast at yahoo.com is our email address. Our Twitter handle is get home safe pod and our Facebook and Instagram page is get home safe podcast at yahoo. Or, <laughs> mess that up again. Facebook and Instagram page is get home safe podcast as well. Sorry for the slip ups there. They happen. Uh, you know, it is what it is, but uh, those are the best ways to reach out to us. If you'd like to, for any reason, we love hearing from you. Uh, thanks for those who continue to listen every day. And thanks to those who tune in for the first time or just kind of, you know, uh, bounce around to different episodes. However you do it, we appreciate your listenership. It's fun to look back on episodes that still continue to grow, even from months ago. Uh, you know, it's just it, the whole process has been a lot of fun. So thanks again, Kevin Scarpio, for the uh, interview today. We learned a lot. And guys, tomorrow for our third of july uh show stay tuned for uh for what i hope to be a little different program but will hopefully be a, a good program just from a patriotic standpoint and just being appreciative to live in this country that we live in so uh join us tomorrow if you can but guys whatever you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe mm-hmm.